I think that we all start out kind of in the same way. I think when we start our relationship with Jesus that we all kind of start on this even path of what's next. How do I, how do I move from where I am today into where God wants me to be? And so we learn some things, well, from people around us. Things like this. You should pray for your food. And so we learn to go, God, thank you for this food and for my family. Amen. Or maybe you learned the Lord's Prayer first off. I don't know what it was for you, but we all start on this level ground. And then something happens. Time goes on, and as we kind of continue our walk with the Lord, we start to notice that people start to experience God differently than we do. I don't know if you've ever had this moment where you look at someone that may have even invited Jesus in their heart at the same time that you did, and now 10 years later, they just seem to be living it differently than you are. And that's what's confusing about spiritual walk, right? I mean, you would think that if we just did 10 things, we would all be super Christians. Like if you came to church enough, at a certain point, you leveled up. Like you walked into church one day and there's this floating brick above your head that you can jump up and a magic mushroom came down that you could eat and become a super Christian. I mean, we all would hope for something like that, right? But I mean, the truth is that we can go to our, our whole lives to church and never grow once. In fact, you can walk an aisle, you can genuinely invite Jesus into your heart and then do nothing with him and live a miserable existence. And so that's the problem is that I really believe deep down inside of all of us is this yearning and desire to grow closer to God. So because of that, I want to go very simplistic with you. Because I believe something is really truthful in the fact that when we go back to the basics of Christian life, we grow up. It's the same principle that, that we need to remember. I just finished watching my wife called the most boring television in history, watching the Hall of Fame speeches at the Football Hall of Fame. Anybody watch that with me? There's a few of you. Amen. Praise God for you. Thank you very much. Um, we, we watched this, and everybody said the exact same thing, if you really listened. They all got there on the shoulders of other people. They all needed their family at the end of the day. And they started to realize that they belonged to something bigger than them. I believe that's same the true of when it comes to being a Christian. We all stand on the shoulders of people that have gone before us. People like, I mean, let's just be honest, and I've shared this before. I can go and stand on the shoulders, and if I go back, I can remember all of these sweet older ladies that taught me as I grew up as a child. You know, they taught my, my Sunday school. Y'all remember when... Life group was called Sunday school. Maybe you still call it Sunday school. Dale and I talk that every once in a while we say Sunday school when we mean life group. But I can remember the faces of these sweet older ladies all of my growing up life that taught me in those Sunday school classes. I praise God for them. They, they speak into my heart. I, I can think of all the student pastors and adult workers that were there for me in youth group. I can remember those faithful people that took on college ministry, which is the hardest ministry of them all, by the way. Um, that stuck with us and were there with us at Taco Bell nights. I mean, if you're a faithful adult, and I can remember, I think at the time they were six years old, met us at Taco Bell at like 10 o'clock at night. They never ate, and now I know why. Because they wanted to sleep that night. But 
I, those faithful Taco Bell senior adult people that loved on us and took care of us and were there for us. I can think of all of the deacons that were a part of my life growing up that shared wisdom with me and all of the ministers along the way. All of us have that story. For being honest, we, we all have the story of someone that spoke into you enough that got you to here today. You may not even want to be here. I grew up as a preacher's kid. I can remember a lot of Sundays I didn't want to be here. And I can never forget my dad one day finally said to me, make a choice. Go or don't go. Just know this. Your family's all going to be at church. So I went. And then came college. Go out to Dallas Baptist, wake up that first morning, Sunday morning, and, and get up to go to church. Because it had been breathed into me to go, and my whole hall doesn't wake up to go. And I started to go, wait a second, what if I don't have to? Can I tell you what happened the next Sunday? That Saturday night, in my dorm room, a battle ensued. The battle was, what am I personally going to do with Jesus? Because it wasn't about my family anymore. I couldn't depend upon my dad to make sure that I got up and went to church. I, I couldn't depend upon my fellow youth group members and my youth group to high-five me when I walked in the door. I knew no one in Dallas. I didn't even know my roommate. He was there half the time. So I got up that next Sunday morning, and I was mad. I can remember telling God, well, I'm just doing this because of you. I got to church, and I stormed in and walked into this mega church because they had a college ministry, and I walked in the door, and I walked all the way through that whole ministry day, and no one said anything to me. Nothing. The whole Sunday. And I went back to my dorm room, and I, I'll just, as vivid as I can remember, I grabbed some quick, fast food, and I got back to my dorm room, and I slammed it down on my desk, and I went, thanks. I get up, and I go to church for you, and you do nothing for me. And I, I, I can remember having to study the, the writings of Paul for a class, and I, I'm, I'm just mad. So I open it up. I have my my laptop open, open up my notes, and I'm like, oh, oh, eating, looking at the life of Paul. I'm like, yeah, Paul, whatever. You don't know what it feels like to be lonely. But Jesus never knew what it felt to be lonely. And then it hit me. Our walk with Christ is less about us. If you expect for God to do some miracle work on your behalf so that you'll follow him. I have a, something really sad to tell you. Jesus tells them they'll get no sign but the sign of Jonah. People that receive just, they just want miracles. That's the only way I'm going to follow God is if, Lord, right now you would multiply my bank account in the name of Jesus, amen. Nope, not going to follow you. If that's what you're waiting on today, is God to do a miracle so that you'll follow him, you're not depending upon him for anything. You just want his stuff. You don't want a relationship. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about what does it look like for a Christian to start their journey with Jesus. If we believe that you as an individual Christian, a follower after Jesus, should be growing up in your faith, I want to give you the tools to do so. And we're going to go very simplistic. We're going to go very easy because I believe this. We need it. Because life is complicated. We need something that has an easy button to it. And that's how God created a relationship for you. 
Let's not forget that he calls us sheep. Sheep are not the most intelligent animal on the planet. They follow a shepherd. They need easy buttons. And so are you ready for the first one? The first one is this. I believe that to start a relationship with Jesus, it comes down to simplicity of relationship with him. And in that relationship, the very first thing that you should be working on is your prayer life. It's simple. It's easy. It shouldn't be complicated. Let me just encourage you. I don't believe that you need to go to a prayer conference to learn how to pray. Nor do I believe that you need to read the next 10 books on how to pray. I think you should just start. It's like riding a bike. Listen, you can go to YouTube and see how other people ride bikes. And listen, you can go on YouTube today and find out the seven things that need to be in every one of your prayers. I just believe that God didn't make it that complicated. I believe he made it simplistic so that we could do it. And what's more is it could grow. And so let's look at it together. We're going to look at prayer and fasting today from Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting with the fifth verse. Some of you are saying, okay, Kyle said prayer, and then he said fasting. He says he doesn't want us to eat. I don't like this guy. I, we'll get to that. Let's stay with prayer to start, because I believe we need to end with fasting. Let's start with prayer. Jesus is preaching a sermon, and he starts by talking to them about giving. And he tells them that there's three things that he says instinctively that we should be doing in faith, that you should give, that you should pray, and that you should fast. That's according to the scripture about what Jesus is going to preach. In the giving, he says, listen, when you give away, don't like seek applause of men, because if you do, that's your reward. You got it. Congratulations. You got the applause of men. There was your reward. Then he says this, when you pray. Whenever you pray, verse 5 says, you must not be like the hypocrites. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you pray, go into a private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Because your father knows the things you need before you ask them. Uh, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive people of their wrongdoings, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. Whenever you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so their fasting is obvious to people. I assure you, they've got the reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you don't show your fasting to people, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward reward you. I want you to get a, a start to what I believe we need to hear today. The first is this, prayer and fasting has a reward, either on earth or in heaven. The earth's reward is a man's applause. And if you want people to applaud your Christian walk, I tell you, there's plenty of people that will applaud your Christian walk. But that's your reward for it. Hey, Pastor Kyle, I prayed for 18 hours yesterday. Well, all right. There you go. Congratulations. 
Moreover, if you pray 18 hours, you should seek God's applause. When you fast, you shouldn't mope around and go, I'm fasting. Now, if you're fasting for a doctor's appointment, by all means, tell everybody you know. And be miserable about it. Because if you have to do that for a doctor, listen, he would be miserable if he had to do it. Or she had to do it. So be miserable there. But if you're fasting before God, make it a private issue. Because your reward can be, oh, you're fasting. There's your reward. Or it can be built up by God. I believe God's reward is not just stored up for a latter date, though. See, I believe that God can reward it as early or as late as he chooses. So that means this, in your prayer life, I believe that God can answer your prayers today. I believe he can answer it right away. And I believe he can bless right away. He has the power to do whatever he so chooses. I do, however, believe that we really in Christian life would rather have the applause of men for our Christian walk than we would of God's. I say that's true of myself because it's so much easier to say, God, I want to be applauded by men because I'm so close to you than I would for God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So let's talk about prayer and fasting. We get this model of Jesus' prayer. Before we get into that, he has this, this sentence. It says in verse 7, When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Jesus is talking about these people who would worship this God named Baal. They would get up early in the morning, they'd set up shrines, and they would march around them all day praying to their God, saying the same thing over and 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 over. Because they thought that's what their God needed. As though God wouldn't understand until they said it the 18,000th time. That's why he says right after that, don't be like them because your Father in Heaven already knows what you need before you even ask him. So when we go to God, we go with boldness because God already knows what we really need. And I believe this. I believe we've probably prayed thousands of prayers in our lifetimes of things we want, but God knows we don't need. And I believe that's probably why more than ever people say, well, I pray and I don't hear from God. I believe it's probably because you're praying for things that you don't need. Telling God, God, I know you love me. Give me a Maserati. I believe God goes, no! Have a Pinto. Because you need wheels to get to work in. You don't need a Maserati because you don't need to be parking a Maserati in Amarillo, Texas anywhere. I mean, don't you feel it? We have all these wants, but God knows our needs. And I think sometimes he waits for us to identify that. God, I've been praying for this for a long time. But I know I really need this. Forgive me for the wants. Bring me to my needs. And can I just tell you, I found in my personal walk, God tends to meet my needs when I finally find myself so broken I have to hit my knees. And I say, God, what do I do from here? And God goes, ah, now, now we can start to meet your needs. Now we can start to answer that prayer. Now we can start to do something. So Jesus gives them a template. Now, I, I don't believe that Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, so that's the only prayer we would pray. He just says, when you pray, pray something like this. In fact, that's what it breaks down to in the text. He doesn't say, every time you pray, these are the words you are to say. He says, but when you pray, pray like this. 
And listen, I learned this prayer from growing up in high school. I, I went to an unbelievable public high school where every time we had a band thing or a one-act play thing or a football game or anything, we always gathered around in a circle and we prayed the Lord's Prayer. I'll never forget that. That's where I, this prayer started to sit into my soul. And as I read it to you, you probably went, oh, that's not right. He said something wrong, didn't you? Because you've heard, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I said no hallowed. I said no thine. But see, Jesus didn't want us to get caught up in the wording. He wanted us to get lost in the purpose. He doesn't want you to get lost in the ordinary. God isn't calling you to memorize prayers. He doesn't want to get a standard prayer any more than if I called you every day this week. And you said, hello, I said, this is Kyle Clayton, the pastor at the church at Quail Creek. I'm so pleased that you came to church this Sunday. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, this is Kyle Clayton, the pastor at the church at Quail Creek. I'm so glad that you came to church this Sunday. Click. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, this is Kyle Clayton, the pastor at the church at Quail Creek. I'm so glad that you came to church today. Eventually, you wouldn't answer, would you? You'd be like, I know what he's going to say. Or you'd go like this. Hello, this is Kyle, the pastor of the church at Quail Creek. Is it right? How ordinary have we gotten before God when we bring him the same prayer and it's not from the heart? I encourage you to burn your script. Tear it up and throw it away. Be, be real before God. I really believe the best prayers that we can pray sometimes are like this. God, I don't know what to do or say. Speak and be quiet. Sometimes that's the best prayer you can pray. Sometimes the best prayer you can pray is this. Lord, I just heard MC Hammer singing, you got to pray just to make it today. So I'm going to pray, amen. Sometimes you need those prayers just to make it today. And sometimes you need this. God, I'm overwhelmed. Can't believe I made it through a full day without stress in my life. Can't believe I made it through a full day without any drama. Thank you. You got me through. When's the last time you prayed a prayer of thanksgiving before God? You see, when Jesus prays, he, he sets the standard. He says that he has a praise of God's holiness. He has a, a yearning for his kingdom. He has a reminder of God's sufficiency. Remember, our Father that's in heaven, your name is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's a yearning. God, do something. And then there's this reminder of God's sufficiency on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says these words. Give us today our daily bread. That is probably for me, the hardest line in this to be truthful in my prayer life. This is saying, God, give me enough of you, and that's it. Remind me I don't need the world. I just need you. It's God's sufficiency. Then he says this, and forgive us our debts. <laughs> this is not a prayer, by the way, of credit card debt. This is not, and God forgive us our MasterCard as we forgive those who owe us a water bill. I mean, that would be interesting, but this is, God forgive me when I've blown it. And help me to let go of those that have blown it around me. 
And we get a, a warning later on in the text, and we'll get to that. And then it's an urgency of the enemy's attack. And don't bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You have an adversary. And he is, as Scripture says, always on the edge of the brush of your life, waiting to devour you. He is a roaring lion with blood-stained teeth from the victims that have come before you and me. And he's waiting for you to turn your back and not notice him. He's waiting for you to leave your family out there in the open. He's waiting for your integrity to be put on the line so that he can kill it. That's this lion. He's not for you. He is there to kill you. So when Jesus says, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, he prays this prayer from a place of knowledge. Lest we forget that when Jesus is baptized by John, he goes into the desert and he's tempted by the devil. And the devil gives him everything that Jesus could want. Power, prestige, knowledge. He tells him, listen, just be known. I mean, at this point, throw yourself off the temple and save yourself. And everybody will rush in and say, this is the Messiah. All you got to do is do that in front of me and I'll give it to you, man. I'm, I'm not the enemy, I'm your buddy. That's the problem with this lion at the edge of your camp. His teeth don't look that bloodstained. And he really doesn't look that scary. He looks a little bit more cartoonish to us. Fun, jovial, easygoing. And we simply play around with him just long enough to where we take that next step and we're in his clutches. But deliver us from evil. And Jesus finishes with this word, which is a fresh or in a finished view of God's sovereignty. We've heard about it, and we're going to hear about it again. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When Jesus prays this prayer, he sets us up for such a different conversation with God. In fact, because of Jesus dying on the cross, we learn in the New Testament that we can have boldness to appear before God as sons and daughters of God. We can go before him and talk to him as a father. And He's a loving God. He's good to us. He doesn't want to withhold anything from you. And so today he invites you in to his throne room and just, just catch the mental image of a king reigning on a throne with so many servants. And when you enter in, he doesn't stay as a king. He, he climbs down and he kneels eye to eye with you and he says, what can I give you? I'm so glad you came. Talk to me. And you come up and go, hello, this is Kyle Clayton, the pastor of the church at Quell Creek. I'm so glad that you came today. Or I love mothers everywhere, right? Like the, that despicable me line. We come in with these form prayers of prayers we've heard other people pray for all of our lifetimes. And we have a, a God that stoops down low looking us in the face. And he's anticipating hearing our hearts and he knows what we need. And he looks at us and we go, thank you God for this day. You are awesome in every way. Amen. Oh, well, thanks. Is that all you had? I mean... You don't want to address anything else? 
Not your heart, not your need, not the future, not today. And it's as if we start to walk away from our prayer time with God and we hear God simply say this, hope to see you again. Come back anytime. I'll be here. Just turn around and I'm right there. And in those days that we're trudging through our life and we're angry with God and we're, we're just bitter and we're broken or something wrong has happened to us and we're brokenhearted and we're walking through life and we're just like, God, where are you? He's right there. I'm right here. I'm right here. I, I can hear you. It's okay. God, you feel so distant. He's like, man, I'm right here. God, you just don't understand how this feels. Man, I'm right here. God, but you don't know what it feels like. Man, I'm right here. Turn around. I'm right here. And I'm moved by the times when I pray and I'm just so broken that I'm like, God, how are we going to get through this one, Lord? How are we going to make the next steps, God? Because I'm needing you. And God's like, listen, man, you, you need some help, Kyle. So instead of being a God that's this close, now I'm going to pick you up. Because, <laughs> man, you can't take this on your own. I know you're not going to turn around, so I'm just going to hold on to you for a while. Go ahead. Share your heart. Share your brokenness. Share your needs. Share your wants. Share your burdens. Share your hopes. Share everything you got because I'm big enough and strong enough to carry you as long as you need it. Just talk to me. And how oftentimes I've been moved in my heart to just cry out to God. God, I don't even have words. And I just sit there in that moment and quiet. And Scripture says that in that moment, because Jesus is a part of my salvation and my lordship, that the Holy Spirit in me goes, I got this. And as I stand there broken, the Holy Spirit goes before God the Father and he says, our boy Kyle is broken. This is what he needs today. Let's do something. Doesn't even have words, which is awesome. I'm so glad he got to that place where he's out of words. That dude can talk. Let's just let us do the work. And let's let him experience what we have. One of the most spiritual things I believe that you can do is be quiet for a while. And let God do some talking. Invite him into it. God, this is awkward. I'm just going to be quiet. I'd like for you to talk to me. And Pastor Kyle on Sunday said that happens. And so go. Am I supposed to do something else, God? I mean, am I supposed to be like this or like this or like this? I, what, what am I supposed to do? Just be quiet. Our days are so busy and things are so fast. I think we lose sight of what God has to say. But that's not where Jesus stops. He gives a warning against not forgiving. He says, if you don't forgive, listen, it's going to hurt your prayer life. You need to clear up your, your load there. You need to say, hey, listen, you're forgiven because I've been richly forgiven. It'll never be equivalent. Your sin versus the sin against you in this world will never equal out to where that makes sense. So we have to come and say, because God can forgive all of this, I can forgive all of this. 
Because he is so big and I am so small, I can forgive small because he's forgiven so big. But that's not where Jesus stops in this sermon. Then he goes personally, he says, when you fast. Don't be like the hypocrites that make their faces unattractive and want everybody to know they're fasting. But when you fast, put oil upon your head, clean your face, and show up so that God who is in private can reward you privately. So I just want to give you some quick tips for fasting. Number one is this, start a prayer journal. Now, I have a prayer journal. I I carry different ones at different times. And this is my prayer journal from my trip to India in 08. It says, I just finished reading Fasting by Jensen Franklin. I was blessed to spend so much time in Scripture concerning fasting. I must admit I've never really spent that much time on the subject. I am left with an initiative to lead my Christian life with the practice of fasting and lead my church in fasting. I think it is a missing link in what we are doing, teaching, preaching, and living. God, please give me the courage to lead my life and the church in this endeavor. It should already be our practice. 11-4 of 08. I was in Bangalore, India that day. Just finished that read and was sitting out there listening early in the morning to uh, one of the Muslim brothers up on top of his roof crying out to his God early in the morning. The sun was just rising. I was up on the roof of our little uh, compound praying and asking God to do something, and I began to hear him singing out praises. And I started to wonder, what is it that drives a man in India to get up every morning and cry out to his God, knowing full and well that he's going to have to live his whole day as stressed and as needy for income as we are. What drives a man to wake up every day and do that? And I think I discovered the answer. He believed his God was real. When you believe that God that you serve is real, you will do everything you can in your personal life to connect with him. Until then, it'll be a myth that you come to and sing to and worship. I'm really bothered by the fact that as a global church that follows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that we can put him equivalent to Uncle Sam, as though Uncle Sam is a real figure. We, we just kind of line him up next to him and say, well, I'm equal parts. I got to tell you something. Uncle Sam has no salvation for us. He didn't die for you. He doesn't help you with an eternity. He doesn't help you in your daily walk. If anything, he steals from you, right? But there's a Jesus who died and lives and breathes for you and for me. And today, we should live as though he is a real God to us. So keep a journal. Write down when God's encountering you. Pray for other people and write their name in, but man, to stay focused in prayer, write your prayers down. Father, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, move in me, change me, bring me to life, breathe over me, write it down. You'll stay more focused. It'll keep you on a path. And what's amazing is all the prayer journals I've kept over the years, I can go back now and read what God did then, and I'm thankful. Prayers I've prayed for some of the people in this room to ask for prayers for things. That today, 
God has already healed you of. He's already moved in. He's healed you in. It's amazing. So keep a journal. When you fast, prepare ahead of time. Fasting is simply giving up food for the sake of closeness with God. It's eating spiritual food rather than physical food. And it's difficult because we all like us some food. Amen? I like it at least five times a day. Um, You may eat three times a day. I like two snacks. Um, But I think that there is a real thing that happens when we start to take away the time and we start to take away the preparation for food and we start to prepare for time with God, and it hurts you. It does something physical to your body. What's more is it's beneficial to your body. You may be like, well, actually, it, it's, not, it's detrimental. It's good for your body to fast. It helps you, but let me just tell you, get past the health part of it. If you're hoping that it just makes you healthy, you're not doing it for God. You're doing it for you. You've received your reward. If you're hoping fasting gives you abs instead of spiritual stuff, you're going to get some abs, maybe. you got to lay off the, the potato chips, but that was a Kyle problem. Um, but listen, we go into fasting to focus on God. So prepare ahead of time. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your friends at school, hey, tomorrow I'm not eating lunch. Tell your parents if you're not eating lunch, by the way. But uh, I'm not eating lunch, and during lunch, this is all I'm going to do. I'm going to spend that whole time praying and reading the Bible, focusing on God, being quiet before him, listening. Prepare ahead of time. The next, make fasting personal rather than visual. That's what Scripture tells us. Don't, like, go get a shirt that says, I'm fasting today, walk away. Um, man, come in ready, but make it spiritual rather than visual. Pattern your fasting to begin. Do something simple like this. Give up one meal. And then the next week, give up two meals. And then maybe a month from then, give up a whole day's worth of meals for focus on God. And, and pattern yourself. Find a, a rhythm to it. Find a, a way that you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to pray because I've got this prayer journal full of names and full of prayers that I'm laying before God. And I want a spiritual breakthrough in my life. And to get there, I need to give up some stuff for the sake of that. Fast with reasoning. Have a purpose. Write it down. Make sure that you're praying through that fasting time. And the last is this. Know who you're praying and fasting to. We believe that starting your journey always begins with a relationship with God. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you try and fast to connect with him and you don't know him as Savior and Lord, it's not going to do you any good. When I was in India, I remember walking through the, the castles of these Indian kings. The floors had gold laid in the floors. They were marble. They were beautiful. There was jewels hanging from the walls of these palaces. And when you went into them, you took off your shoes and you put them in these bags and you took a number And you'd walk through and you had to be quiet. And I remember walking through and seeing all this opulence and all this amazingness. And and as I was walking through, we had this professor from Canada with us. And he leans over to me and he says this, All of this is this big in the kingdom of God. You could pave the streets with this whole castle. And then all of a sudden, everywhere I looked was different. Because my God is bigger than this. You know, we've talked prayer and fasting several times from the stage over the years. And as we have, every time we talk about fasting, I have people, and I hope that if if you're curious about fasting and want to know more about it, that you'll come and talk to me. I'd love to give you some 
some better information and next steps on that. Um, but every time people come and say, Brother Kyle, I'd like to start fasting. How do I do that? And we walk through that together. You know what I think is really interesting, though? Is every time we go through fasting and we talk about it from the stage, I always get this heart's desire to say, God, I think I can do more. I don't know about you. God, I think I can fast more. I think I can pray more. I think you want to talk to me more. And I hope that's what you feel today. And I I really think that on our journey with Jesus, it just seems like maybe for some of us, we pray all the time, but it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Like, Like we've gone through the motions, but nothing's taking place, and we just keep doing the same things over and over and over again, and nothing's happening. I want to invite you to a different type of invitation today. One of the things that we've done in our church last year was we introduced a new ministry called Born to be Free. And it's spiritual in nature. It's a ministry of our church that we believe that a lot of times Christians don't walk in freedom that they should in Christ. Because spiritually sin has crouched in and we haven't dealt with it. And so I just want to invite you to keep your ears open for the next time we start a Born to be Free that you sign up and be a part of it. We believe it's a central piece to what we do here at Quell Creek. And so I'm, I've invited them to be a part of our invitation today, and here's what it's going to look like. I asked them to come over here, and they're going to make a, a spiritual tunnel like football, you know, where people are on the other side and they cheer for you. But this time they're not going to be clapping, they're going to be praying. I just want you to do me a favor. So many of you come to the altar so many times, and you've laid things down, but you've picked them right back up again and gone back to your seat with you. Say, God, I give you this. So, Lord, take it. And you walk back. Today, I'm going to ask them to come and pray for you. And so I'm just going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to walk to that wall and come this way. They're going to be over there. I'm going to pray, and they're going to start moving. So they're going to be there as soon as I say amen. And you'd say, Brother Kyle, I've got this burden. Something I've been praying for. But Kyle, I just need God to step in in some way. I just want you to do me a favor. Come through and walk through their tunnel. They're just going to lay hands upon you as you walk and pray for you. And I just... I'm just going to ask that you come and just say, God, I just lay it down at your feet. And God, let these people, as they touch my shoulders as I go through, God, Lord, I just ask that you would bless this time, God, that you would change my heart. God, that you'd set me on fire. And so they're going to be there to pray for you. Dale and I will be down here as well. But I'm going to ask you to go and walk the walk and come through and, and ask for that prayer. If you'd say, I need that prayer. I need the healing in my heart. I need to break free. I need some change that you would get up and be bold enough to come through and be prayed for today. Because I believe that prayer is powerful. I believe that prayer moves mountains. And I believe that God is not done in your life and in mine. And so today, as you come, as you're prayed for, I pray that you'd come open-handed, that you'd say, I lay it down for the first time in a long time. God, move in my life. Are you ready today to let prayer take the first step in your walk, that you'd start a practice of fasting, and that God would start to move in your life? If you're ready, today is your starting day. Let's start our journey today. Let's give our lives to the start of being prayerful. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would just move in this next moment. God, as we prepare our hearts, God, as we ready ourselves, Lord, we pray, Lord, even for the team that's about to be a part of this, God, as they pray for people, as they lay hands upon people, as they walk through, God, their hands do nothing. 
Their hands have no power, but God, you do. God, you have all the power. You have all the strength. You have all the might. So God, move mightily in this time. God, we're praying for breakthrough. God, we're praying that you would do something amazing. God, that you'd bring healing. God, that you'd bring wholeness. And God, that you would bring peace, God. That's what you do. So Father, bring that healing. God, as we pray for people, God, move in their lives today. God, we believe you can do it. God, may you have all of the kingdom. May you have all the power. May you have all the strength. May your work be done on earth as it is in heaven right now, God. We just declare today is your day. Today is your day, God, so may your day be great. Lord, may we honor you in all we say and all we do. We give you our everything, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Stand with me as we sing, as we worship. You come, just make your way. These people are going to pray for you. You come right now. Be bold. Start your path. Start your healing. Let us start right now. Let's go. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst from a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and keep coming. We're not done. You come right now. Come get prayed for. Come ask the God to move in your heart. Come lay that burden down. We're not giving up yet, so you come. Come right now. As we sing, you just keep coming. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life was born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness is born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Before
I love this song. Oh, come to the altar. Father's arms are open wide. I ask that for the next few minutes as, as we finish our prayer time that you would just sing out to God. Maybe you just give it your all for these last few moments before him as we worship him before our time of offering. Would you worship him now with us? Sing this prayer to him as Grant leads us. Sing to our Father. Pray to him today. Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. precious blood of Jesus Christ. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of the sin? Jesus is calling Come to the end of yourself. Do you thirst from a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness is born with. Precious blood. 